There's a land that is fairer than day, and by faith we can see it afar, for the Father waits over the way to prepare us a dwelling place there in the sweet by and by we shall meet on that beautiful shore in the sweet by and by we shall meet on that beautiful shore to our bountiful father above we will offer
We were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. We were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise.
Away our sin. 
Matthew 28, and I've been working my way through Matthew on Wednesdays, and a few times I've brought Sunday messages from, uh, from passages that uh, I was not able to get to on Wednesday. Uh, but today I want to point your attention to the opening two sections of Matthew 28. The first section is entitled The Resurrection, and the next section, beginning with verse 11, is entitled The Report of the Guard. Um, there's, there's an interesting truth to come alongside of as we look at these two sections of Scripture that are laying side by side that have to do with the resurrection of Jesus Christ and really have to do with, uh, is He really who He claims to be? Um, and that's a question that all of us have to answer at some time in our lives. Is Jesus really the Savior of mankind? Is He really the Lamb of God? Or was He just a religious heretic in His day is he to be followed or is he to be ignored? Uh, is he to be worshipped or is he to be cast aside? And that's a decision all of us have to make at one time or another. And sometimes we even change our mind about him. In the beginning, we maybe are questioning if he really is who he claims to be. But then over time, the Spirit works in our hearts and we come to an understanding that really is a divine gift from the hand of God himself as he brings us into the light of truth concerning Jesus. And we make a change. We decide he really is. He really is my Savior. And so he is worthy of my surrender, of my loyalty, of my obedience, of my discipleship. But look at, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a, a lengthy passage, but try to follow along with me beginning with verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And so Jesus has been crucified, and he's been laid in a borrowed tomb. Verse 2, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he has risen, as he said he would. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So at this point, they've walked and they've looked into the tomb. And he said, see, I told you, he's not here. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. 
and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Now, verse 11, change of scene. The first passage has to do with the women going to complete the, the burial preparation of the body of Jesus. They encounter the angel of the Lord. They're told the good news that Jesus has left the tomb behind and he's going to see you in Galilee and you will see for yourself, you will see firsthand that he really is alive. And though you watched him die on the cross, God has raised him up from death and you're going to have the opportunity to see him. And so the women are going to tell the disciples about the angel's message and on the way they encounter Jesus for themselves. And Jesus, like the angel, says, don't be afraid, and they fall down before him. He says, go tell my disciples, go tell the guys that I will see them in Galilee just as I promised. You remember on, on the occasion when Peter and the other disciples said, there's no way we'll run out on you. Jesus said, Peter, tonight you will deny me three times before daybreak. But I will see you after I've risen in Galilee. And so see what's happening beforehand. He says, I'll see you in Galilee. And now after the fact, he says, tell them I'll see them in Galilee. So it was kind of like it was a, a, a very personal message that was being delivered. And so they're all going to make their way to that place where they can have the opportunity to encounter him. But look at this, verse 11. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priest all that had taken place. Now remember, the guards who were there at the tomb uh, fell like dead men when there was an earthquake and the angels appeared. They were scared to death. I mean, they, they just passed out. Well, they come to and they go to the chief priest and they said, you're not going to believe what happened. We were standing guard. The earth shook. The stone rolled away from the entrance to the tomb. And an angel was there and told the women who had come to prepare, finish preparing the body that Jesus was not there. He had risen. So they're reporting all of this, and they're saying, this really happened. And verse 12, and when they had assembled with the elders, when the chief priest had assembled with the elders, and they had a, they had a meeting together, they had taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. In other words, you go and tell what we're telling you to tell the people. You go and tell them that he, he didn't walk out of the grave. His disciples stole him away in the night. They're trying to keep this hoax going. They're, they're, they're trying to convince people that he's alive, but he's not really alive. He's just hidden away somewhere. Go tell the people that. And if the governor finds out about the conflict and in, in, in what's happened in the reports, we'll cover you. We've got you. Don't worry about it. And they paid him off. They bribed them to tell the story they wanted told. And it says, they took the money and did as they were directed, and this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. And so that's Matthew saying, even up to this time, because he's writing this gospel years after the fact, and he's saying, even now, this story is still circulating that Jesus did not resurrect from the grave. They stole him away. Christianity is a hoax. When I looked at this passage of Scripture, these two sections side by side, I thought, this is incredible. 
It's one thing for someone not to be convinced while Jesus is ministering in, in the area of the world where he ministered. It's one thing for them to say, no, I don't really believe he is the Messiah. I, I, don't, think, I don't think this measures up. I, I think uh, God has a different plan than the way this plan's working out. It's one thing to hold that opinion up until the resurrection. You, you with me? It's one thing to believe it before Jesus walks out of the grave. It's another thing to keep this lie going after he is resurrected from the grave. There's a spiritual problem here. And pride is at the root of the problem. And I'm going to tell you, pride will get us in trouble over and over again when it comes to our following Jesus. He, these people had an opportunity to say with humility, we had it wrong. He really is sent from heaven. He really is the Messiah. He really is the Lamb of God. He really is the Savior of mankind. Nothing else could explain how he was crucified. We saw him die on the cross that day. We saw him taken down and laid in a borrowed tomb. We saw all of that happen, and yet today, on the third day after his crucifixion, today he is no longer in the tomb and the angel of the Lord says that he walked out of that tomb he defeated sin and death and so now but seeing what we've seen we bow down with our brothers and sisters before him that's what should have happened amen that's what should have happened that when they really saw that he indeed did what he said he would do came out of the grave it should have changed them it should have brought them to faith. It should have brought them to their knees. It should have brought them to a posture of worship before God. And, and they should have been saying, Lord, we're sorry that we didn't see it before now, but now we see that he really is the one you have sent to be the chosen Messiah over mankind. That's not what they did. Pride kept them from it. Now they, they saw him as more of a threat than he had ever been. It was one thing when he was teaching what he taught, but now that he had answered the claims that he made by coming out of the grave, now he really was a threat. They were so concerned about their own position in the hierarchy of things that they would not allow themselves to be humbled before the Almighty. They would not allow themselves to find a new existence in Christ. They wanted to hang on to what they had always known. They wanted the same position. They wanted the same power. They wanted the same prestige that they had come to enjoy. They were not willing to humble themselves before the Christ that God had sent for the salvation of mankind. And when I look at that passage, I think, on the one hand, how awful that people would be that way. And then I have to realize there have been times in my life when I've not been willing to humble myself. There have been times when I have stood with a, a spirit of resistance against what God is showing me about my next step, if you will, in being his disciple. The truth about Jesus is that he loves us and he gave himself for our salvation. He was laid in a tomb and on the third day he walked out of that grave. The truth is he wants to give us a new lease on life. But the truth is also stated in, in this statement. Some of us don't want a new lease on life. And we get in the way of the great salvation that God is wanting to bring to our experience. Hell itself cannot keep us from experiencing 
the salvation that God is wanting to bring to us, the fullness of that salvation. As a matter of fact, the Scripture says, Jesus, these are red letters. He said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the advancement of the kingdom. Hell itself cannot keep us from making the spiritual progress that God has ordained for us to make in our relationship with Him, in our relationships with one another. But you know what gets in the way? I want my way sometimes more than I want His way. Amen? I want what has become familiar. I want what has become a comfort zone, if you will, in my existence. And even when He shows me that I'm moving in the wrong direction. I want to sometimes cling on to what has always been. The report of the chief priest for the guards to go out and lie about what had happened is probably one of the saddest chapters written in Scripture. Because here's a group of people who became exactly what God warned that we should be very that we should guard against. They had become stiff-necked people who wanted what they wanted regardless. And even when God showed the world in the resurrection of Christ that this is the truth about who Jesus is, they made up a lie about what what happened. And so I find myself today, Rather than turning my nose up at them, I find myself falling on my knees and saying, God, please, don't let us ever get to the place that we want what we want more than we want what you have shown us. Y'all, here's the truth. Jesus walked out of that tomb regardless of what the chief priest said. And regardless of what our culture says about Jesus, about God, about Christianity, about what's right and what's wrong, what's appropriate, what's inappropriate, what God has said is absolutely the final word. And if what God has said is the final word, then I find myself needing to come before him in humility and ask him, Lord, today as I open this book that you have given us, help me to see and help me to understand what you would have me to see and understand. Lord, the world says this, but your word says this. Help me to have the humility to always revere your truth over the customs of the day. And y'all, we don't have to be arrogant about it. We don't have to get in people's faces. But I do believe this. We need to be people who are so much in this book that regardless of what anyone else says, we are able to say, yeah, but God said. Yeah, but God says. It is amazing the things that people believe in now. It's incredible. I I, I told you last week that 
when I was in the fourth grade, I was given the assignment to memorize Psalm 100 in the King James Version for a school program. Oh, how I wish you fourth grade teachers among us had the freedom. In private schools, you have that freedom. In public schools, you supposedly don't have those freedoms. You're told you don't have those freedoms, but you're finding a way to weave in the truth. But I wish we could get back to a time when fourth grade teachers in the public school system would be assigning to some kid to memorize Psalm 100 for a school program. How did we get to where we have gotten? Tony asked that question earlier. We left God out. We started to revere our position among people more than we revere the truth of who God is and what he has declared to us. And we don't have to, we don't have to battle this. All we have to do is one by one as individuals begin to revere God and his word all over again. And one person at a time, as we bow in humility before him and submit ourselves to the truth concerning God and his son Jesus and his Holy Spirit's work among us, things will begin to change. They really will. But it's one person at a time bowing before an empty tomb and saying, I believe. And I believe it so much that nobody will sway me otherwise regardless of the lies that are concocted, regardless of what rules are handed down, I will continue to stand by the truth that Jesus is who he claims to be and that he really did walk away from that tomb. And no bribe, however much, could ever convince me to do other than stand for that old, old story. The old hymn says, I love to tell the story of unseen things above of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story, listen, because I know it's true. It satisfies my longings as nothing else would do. It's unbelievable that Jesus walked out of the grave and men saw it for themselves and it was so overwhelming they passed out from fear. And when they came to and reported it, all it took was a little bit of money to convince them to tell a lie about what had really happened. I mean, they saw it for themselves, but money won out again. Makes me wonder, what is the price for which we are willing to sell our souls? There's a price. And many a man or woman have sold out. They know they should speak up. They know they should just humbly stand by the Savior. But they've determined, if I speak up, I'll have to pay for it. I'm not sure I'm willing to pay that price. Jesus said, if we don't acknowledge him before men, that when the angels come in their glory, he will not acknowledge us before the Father. What shall it profit a man or a woman 
to gain the whole world but lose his or her soul. And so again, my prayer is, Lord, who am I to think that I could never fall prey to being bought off? I, I could end up being like the guards. And unless I believe that, it's probably more likely to happen. Do you follow my line of reasoning? If I think with Peter, I'll never deny you. I might be more of a candidate to deny him. But if in humility this morning, I can see that the pressures could be such that I could be bought off. Therefore, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be poured out in my life in such a way that I would not succumb to such a bribe. That I would not, that I would not cover up the truth of your majesty. And so, Lord, save me from whatever happens in a person's heart that causes them to lie about what they know is the truth concerning you. People really can get to a place spiritually where they are indifferent, where they are what the Bible calls stiff-necked, unyielding. It can be pride, it can be fear, it can be any number of factors that bring us down that road. But I think it's worthwhile for us today to say, God, help me to stand for you and your son and your truth and give me the strength to do so through the empowering of your spirit. When Jesus blesses us, we ought to be telling people it was Jesus who blessed us. The Lord's been good to me. How about, man, Jesus reached into my life today and he blessed me and this is what he did. So there you have it. Two passages side by side. God shows us exactly what happened, and then he shows us what men made of it. Because they wanted, they wanted something for their selfish advantage. Think about it. How it may apply to your life. There's no way that we can examine all the scenarios of how it applies to our given lives, but the truth is laid out. God has said, people say, 
Which line are you in? God said, and this is what happened, but this is what people say. Isn't it amazing how many people are offending God in this day in which we live because they don't want to offend people? Is that not amazing? Let's pray. Lord, there are things happening all around us in this world that we never thought we would see. It's amazing. Amazing in a bad way. We ask ourselves again and again, how did we get to where we are? And the simple answer continues to reverberate in our souls, we left you out. We left you out at school. We left you out in the community. We left you out in government. And sad to say, many times we left you out at church. In the very place that we have called the house of God, many times we have labored for our selfish preferences more than we have surrendered ourselves to your divine plan. It happens at all fronts in this society in which we find ourselves. And the only way it's going to change is for each of us to come to the place that we say what God says is the final word. And so, Lord, if what you said is the final word, we need you to help us to line up with what you've said. If we're doing something in our lives that does not line up with what you've said, we need you to give us the humility and the courage to repent, to turn away, to turn around. Father, I pray that, that we would not be a part of the crowd that lies about what you have said and what you have done. When we read this passage in Matthew 28, we shudder. We, can't, we, we can hardly believe that religious leaders of that day would bribe guards to tell a lie about what really happened when what really happened was by your hand. What brings us to the place that we would want to cover up what you have done Hide what you are doing. Deny what you have spoken. And so, Lord, reach into our lives and reach into our churches and reach into our cities and set us free from this bondage of wanting to further our own cause at the price of denying your will. Let this message that you've sent through your servant today accomplish the purpose for which you sent it. That's bigger than we are. There are things happening in the spiritual realm that 
go beyond what we can observe. But Lord, I pray today that as your word has come forth, that it would be powerful in our lives. And I ask it in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. Who are we that you would be mindful of us? What do you see that's worth looking our way? We are free in ways that we never should be. Sweet release from the grip of these chains. Like hinges straining from the Such a time.